Are you earning what you should? How long have you been in your position? Are you using the skills you have? Have you been consistently growing the skill set that you have so that you can grow your income and glorify God with your position, your authority, and what you take home? This is the Money Minister Podcast. I bet you thought I'd be a man. My name is Catherine Vanderlaan, and I'm a financial coach and minister in training. I firmly believe that Christians shouldn't have money worries. This podcast is about keeping money in its place as a tool and not allowing it to rule your life. Welcome back to the Money Minister. This episode, I think it's season four, episode two, is about planning for the future, financial planning for Christians. What does God say about planning for the future? Now, I've met a lot of Christians over the years. My husband's a Chi Alpha campus minister. Woo, right? We travel around to different churches. We speak and pray and help Christians and pre-Christians wherever we go. So I have a heart for missions. I have a heart for ministry. I have a heart for proper and godly money management. Yeah, I'm thrilling at parties. I've, I've been weirdly interested in money and everyone's relationship with money for decades. Yeah, that's what I bring up at parties. And I am clearly the life of the party. Anyway, I have noticed that many Christians don't think about saving money for retirement because because they read somewhere in Philippians, I think it's Philippians 4, 6, bring all of your prayers and supplications to the Lord and he will fulfill every need of yours. And so something like that. It's not an exact quote here, but uh, they, they take that verse and they think to themselves, well, I don't need to save for retirement. God is going to provide for me and ignore all of the other verses in Colossians, in Luke, in many, many places in Proverbs, in Genesis, where God talks about stewarding money and saving up money for the future. So you're not seen as foolish. So God doesn't see you as foolish. And so, so that you can provide for your future, you can provide for the people around you, you can do the good works that God has in front of you to do so that you aren't anxious about your future. Anyway, I would like to address that today. I would like to address the difference between what it says in Philippians about trusting God with your future and bringing all of your needs before God and trusting that he will provide for you and all the other verses in the Bible that tell you to save for your future. What do you do as a Christian? What do you do? And I think scripture is clear that we are to plan for the future and to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us. So, so let's actually go to the Bible. Let's talk about what God says, what he actually says about saving for the future. So first, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It is about asking God for what you need and not being anxious. Now, it does not say live day to day. It does not say don't plan for the future. Yes, Jesus does say, look at look at the birds of the field and the flowers of the field. God provides for them. How much more will he provide for you? Well, let's talk about provision in the Bible. Let's talk about that. 
One of my very favorite people in the Bible is Joseph. And I don't mean Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus. I mean, Joseph of many colors, Joseph, the dreamer, Joseph, the one who saved all of Egypt and his family after he was persecuted and abused, after he was sold into slavery, after all these horrible things happened to him, he continued to trust God. He continued to give all of his anxieties to God. He continued to believe in God's faithfulness, and he continued to build wealth, save money, save a country, and save a whole nations from seven years of famine. Yes, they only had to survive for seven years because they had many, many income streams in Egypt, but they still had to survive for those seven years of famines. Famines are really, really bad thing for a country. So let's talk about Joseph. In Genesis 41, verses 34 through 36, we read, Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming up and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. Okay, there are some key things here that we see in this passage. That's Joseph telling Pharaoh how to save. That is Joseph telling Pharaoh that at some point he's not going to have income, that the that the country is not going to have food, that the whole surrounding countries, all the surrounding countries are not going to have food. And he's saying, take 20% and store it away. It will be enough. Live on the, on the 80 and take the 20 and store it away. Does that sound familiar? If you've been in financial coaching with me, you have heard me say that. That's where this is from. God told Joseph that there was going to be a famine. Joseph was guided by God. He did not experience anxiety to an extent in his life because he believed in God's provision. And God told him what to say. God told him how to save. And because of that, God saved their future. He provided for their future beforehand. He provided for their, let me say that again. He provided for their future beforehand just like he might be doing for you. He provided for Egypt and all the surrounding countries through Egypt beforehand. How wonderful would it be if you took, if you were able to take 20% of your income, set it aside in some good investments, which I will not talk about, and provide for yourself and the people around you so much that you could give generously for your entire retirement. God shows over and over again how to do this in the Bible. God loves people and he wants you to save for your future. Okay, let's go and let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs is full of different verses about money. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lead on, lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And what that really means is acknowledge God, ask God for guidance in all of these things, including money management. 
In Proverbs 6, it says, Go to the Anto sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers food in the harvest. It means, hey, if you want to save for yourself for a season, work hard for a season. That's what it's saying. In many places in the Bible, God tells you, to save for your future. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Now that is Jesus saying, hey, it is common sense to sit down and plan for your future. He was actually talking about counting the cost of serving him, but he used a common sense example in that. Now, a lot of people misquote that and say he was talking about money. He actually wasn't talking about money. He was talking about serving Jesus and counting the cost of what it will cost you from your whole life to serve Jesus. But he does use that common sense example. And he assumes that everybody knows you're going to count the cost of something before you do it. You're going to count the cost of retirement before you retire. You cannot just sit down and say, I'm going to retire and, and I hope God provides for me. No, you have to count the cost. You have to go in and figure out the financials. And saving for your future, guys, does not happen by accident. It doesn't. In Proverbs 10, it says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes the rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. It doesn't happen by accident. You cannot save by accident. You have to do it purposefully. For the plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty only comes to poverty. Proverbs 21.5. So one of the very key things, and I think if you've listened to this podcast at all, or if you've been in financial coaching with me, you will know that I think you should save consistently. I think that Pharaoh, after he saved 20% every single year, should have continued to save 20% every single year. You tithe 10, you save 20, and with the 70%, you live your life and give. That's the recipe to success. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 13, 11. I'm, I'm like full into Proverbs here. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Save little by little. Those rich quick schemes don't work. They don't work. Most of them. All of them. They don't work. You cannot get rich quick. So that leads me to how, how should a Christian save, especially when you're looking around and you're seeing, I could be giving to all these different things, or my bills are way higher than my income right now. It is hard to pay for my family's food. It is hard to catch up. Guys, there is no, there's no formula for this. When, especially when I don't know you, but there are some good rules to live by. Number one, pay your bills. That is first and foremost. God wants to provide for you. Yes, give your anxieties to him. Ask him for guidance. Ask him for help. He wants to help you. He wants to help you live and take a critical eye 
at what you're spending. Take a critical eye at, at your, your housing, your food. Take a critical eye at how you are spending and stewarding the money that God has given you. Are there places that you can cut back? Are there big life decisions that you need to make so you can get ahead with your finances, so you can glorify God with your whole life, including your finances? Number two, take a look at your job. Are you earning what you should? How long have you been in your position? Are you using the skills you have? Have you been consistently growing the skill set that you have so that you can grow your income and glorify God with your position, your authority, and what you take home? Look at your income streams. Look at your job. Look at what you're doing, how you're spending your money, and then be diligent. Ask God for self-control. Ask God to help you control your impulses and your spending so that you can give more, so that you can be the person who saves for your future and the future of others. So you can be the person who saves 20% so that when you are older, when you are there, you can continue to give. Okay. All right. It's easy for me to say that, but how, right? How do you do this? How, 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 how? Being a Christian now is very different in some ways and not different in others from, from being a Christian in the New Testament times about 2,000 years ago. If you read any of the New Testament letters, you hear Paul talking and Peter and various other people talking to different churches in Galatia, in Corinthians, in Ephesus, in Thessalonica. You hear them talking to these churches about self-control, about exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, about loving their neighbors, about being good church members, about working diligently about examining how they're doing everything and their motives. So the real steps to becoming financially secure as a Christian, to giving, to planning for your future, is to start with now and to really take a very good look at your own life. Now, we've already gone through that, taking a good look at your own life in, in terms of your income and your expenses and your self-control. But now there are a lot of different things vying for your attention. We don't walk down the street as the Corinthians did and see prostitutes out by a temple to a different god or goddess. We don't see that. That's not our temptation unless you live in like Amsterdam or in, in Nevada or anything like that. We, we don't really see things like that in the majority of places in the United States. But what we do see are ads everywhere. We see the new cars that our neighbors are driving. We see big houses. We see people eating out all the time. We see on social media pictures of people on their vacations. We see all of these different things and we want them. We want them. Now we're not out there gratifying the desires of our flesh most of the time. Not, not that I know of anyway, but we are out there getting jealous, getting jealous. And instead of worshiping our God, we are worshiping our neighbor's bank account. We are coveting our neighbor's bank account and coveting their standard of living. And what we don't know is what that bank account actually has in it. But what we really don't know is the state of their heart. 
God wants your heart. God wants you to serve him and not money. God wants you to get get things right with money so that you don't have to think about it. If you think about money more than you think about God, well, you really should think about the state of your heart. So part of what I do as a financial coach is I help Christians offload offload their th- their thinking about money so that they can focus on what God has for them in life. And God does not have money worries for you in life. He doesn't have that. He doesn't want that for you. God wants you to use the rules, the money rules for your life so that you can stop focusing on money and start focusing on God so that you can give with what God has given you. Give with your life, give with your money, give with your talents and earn money in heaven. Earn riches and rewards in heaven where we're all, hopefully all of us who's listening here are are going anyway. So please, if any of this is confusing to you, if you owe someone money, if you're having a hard time coveting, if you are jealous of people and their riches, if you are, if you're working hard and getting almost nowhere, please reach out to me. This is what I'm here for. I would love to help you because I want you to, to keep your life free from the love of money and free to serve God, the one who will never forsake you. Okay. All right. I hope that answered the question, how should Christians save? Well, the bullet points, you know, too long didn't read, are 20% of your income, just like Pharaoh did, just like God told Joseph to tell Pharaoh to tithe 10%, to save 20%, and to live on the 70% so that you have enough for your future and so that you are glorifying God with your money. Stop doing anything else and start doing that. And if you have trouble living on 70% of your income, talk to me. Let's chat. Let's get you there so that you will have a future that glorifies God as well. All right. I'll talk to you all soon. This is the Money Minister. Yes, that is me, Catherine Vanderlaan. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Money Minister podcast. I'm glad you're here. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate our podcast on iTunes or whatever you're using to listen. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at saver.street. And if you need help with your personal finances, feel free to book a complimentary consultation at saverstreet.com. We'll help you find what you need in your journey to financial independence. I'll see you in the next episode.